Life Audio. Hello, listeners. My name is Shara Donahue, and welcome to The Bible Never Said That. This is a podcast where we talk about popular sayings that have invaded the culture and church, even though they are theologically unsound. As we begin our new series, The Bible Out of Context, Instead of popular sayings, we will be looking at actual Bible verses that people use in a way that is not faithful to the author's meaning. Many of us have experienced the pain that can stem from someone repeating what we said without any of the surrounding detail of where, when, and why those words were spoken. Unfortunately, people do that to God all the time, and His words are literally written down. If you're new here, let me just make it clear. I love the Bible. Jesus saved my soul and made me new, but time and time again, God has used the Bible to change my life. The Bible's words coupled with the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in believers as a 24-7 counselor, teacher, and guide to truth are facts for which I will always be grateful. But when it comes to taking passages or even brief sections of scripture out of context, we often forget how easy and dangerous it is to do so. People often rip scripture out of context and form it into an interpretation that supports their own agenda, their personal values, and ideas of God that serve them, instead of studying the whole of Scripture to find out who God really is and what He wants us to know about navigating life. So, for fun, let's just flip through the Bible a bit and take a couple words with no context and assign them to mean something completely wrong. Hear me, these are completely wrong interpretations, but I want you to see how easy it is. Judges 3.24. Surely he is relieving himself in the closet of the cool chamber. Hmm, does this mean all bathrooms should have air conditioners? No. How about Second Chronicles 25.19? But now, stay at home. Imagine if I told my boss, sorry, I can't come to work. Second Chronicles 25, 19 says, stay at home. Isaiah 66, 8. As soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. Oh, maybe this means if your name is Zion, you will have quick labor. So you may want to schedule your induction. Not quite. How about... Here we go. 1 Corinthians 3, 2. I fed you with milk. So I don't care if you're lactose intolerant, you should drink milk. Paul, the apostle, gave people milk. I hope you see how easy that was and how ridiculous interpretations ripped out of context could end up being. Of course, I don't believe any of those verses mean those things, but we did that little exercise just to show you the ease at which taking scripture out of context can happen. 
So now we know how easy it is. Let's talk about how dangerous it can be. Just because someone claims to be a Christian and can quote a Bible passage doesn't mean they live biblically. Distortions of scripture often lead to false gospels. Mormonism, Christian science, Christian nationalism, Jehovah's Witness, and the Unitarian Church are just a few lines of thought that use scripture but teach a false gospel. And one of our darkest, most horrible historical figures gave a speech on April 12th, 1921 in Munich, Germany, in which he presented Jesus as a man who came to fight the Jewish people, to fight them, not save them. And he said that Jesus took the cross to defeat the Jewish people. Before I read these words spoken by, yes, Adolf Hitler, I will state again, this is a misuse of scripture by an evil man. And these words are without scriptural truth. We look at them only to be reminded of the dangers that can come from using scripture to promote our own agenda. Do not take these words out of that context. They are too vicious to be presented as anything but evil. Hitler said, and I quote, In boundless love as a Christian and as a man, I read through that passage, which tells us how the Lord at last rose in his might and seized the scourge to drive out of the temple the brood of vipers and of adders. How terrific was his fight for the world against the Jewish poison. Today, after 2,000 years, with deepest emotion, I recognize more profoundly than ever before the fact that it was for this that he had to shed his blood upon the cross. As a Christian, I have not duty to allow myself be cheated, but I have the duty to be a fighter for truth and injustice. It is hard to even read those words. Here, Hitler claims to be a Christian and uses a story from John 2, 13 through 16, out of context and interprets it in a way that the Bible does not support. He uses the Bible as a source of authority and was hoping his fallacious and incorrect appeal to authority would draw more followers to his cause, which was certainly not God's cause. Using scripture out of context is perilous indeed. Now, I get it. Sometimes people make mistakes, but this was not a mistake. This was evil. And most people who use scripture out of context do not use it to such a damaging degree towards such evil means. But using scripture wrong, believing it wrong, can lead to a false sense of security built on something God didn't say. We are talking about eternity, changing truths that are needed. We cannot carelessly spew scriptures as they are not intended to be used. Ryan Higginbottom, when discussing verses stripped from context, says, Not everyone who quotes scripture in this way is evil. 
or is possessed by a demon, but we should be sobered as we observe this strategy. The Bible can be used as a tool to accomplish evil purposes. The words of God are not a magical incantation of righteousness. This understanding should affect the way we listen to sermons, digest proof texts, and read theological arguments. Let's give ourselves to a careful study of the Bible that we might recognize and avoid this devilish error. Whew. Devilish error indeed. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So, let's discuss our first verse. Psalm 91, 11-12. This verse was famously used by none other than the devil himself when he was tempting Jesus in Luke 4, 1 through 13. Let's read the scripture. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. Now this is Jesus quoting scripture. Deuteronomy 8.3 Jesus was hungry, yes, but he didn't bite at this temptation. Verse 5 And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. 
Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6, 13. Verse 9, And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, now this is the devil talking, and here is where he quotes Psalm 91, 11, 12. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord, your God to the test. Deuteronomy six sixteen, verse 13. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Isn't it a little scary to know the devil can quote scripture? But Jesus rebukes him with a proper use of scripture by telling him, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. The devil uses this verse from Psalms as an enticement to have Jesus force the hand of God to save and protect him. And Psalm 91 is a psalm about the protection God offers. And it offers confidence for those who find their refuge in the Lord by pointing them to the power of God and his ability to command angelic armies to the places they are needed. There is absolutely no encouragement, though, in this psalm to place yourself in danger, which is how the devil attempts to use verse 11 and 12 to persuade Jesus to jump. You know, God could have sent angels to save Jesus if he jumped, but Jesus would not be fooled by the manipulations of the devil. Because of Jesus's complete security as the son of God, he had no need to prove his divinity to this fallen angel who was threatened by Jesus's godly presence. Let's look at an example of trust written just after the verse about the angels in Psalm 91. Verse 14 discusses the follower of God as one who holds fast to God in love. Here, Jesus held fast to God in love. He held fast to truth. He held fast to his Father. He did not fall for the slight twist of scripture laid out for him. I hope you now see the dangers of twisting scripture the way that is a tactic of the devil. So let's take a minute to discuss how you can avoid taking scripture out of context, since it is so easy to do. A couple quick tips. The first I typically list is to make sure you know the literary context. This isn't necessarily the most important, but it is first on my list because of my great love for literature. You have to know if you are reading narrative, a story about what happened, like we see in Exodus or the Gospels, if you're reading poetry, a letter, or a prophecy, this knowledge should change the way you look at what you are reading. We also need to know the historical and cultural context. Some practices done by biblical characters are following practices common to their day, but that doesn't mean you should do them. <laughs> For example, if you desire to live a Christ-like life, you should stay away from sleeping with people who work for you because you want kids, as Abram and Jacob did. Those practices are descriptive. They're telling us what happened in nature, not prescriptive, meaning something you should do. 
descriptive, not prescriptive. You get this wrong and you get hellish societies like Margaret Atwood's fictional dystopian, The Handmaid's Tale. You should also be aware of who is writing the section of scripture that you are reading, if that information is available. Yes, the Holy Spirit is the author behind scripture, but knowing the human agent God spoke through will help you to see the internal consistency of their thoughts. We should always do our best to consider what the text meant to the original audience as we look for theological principles that can apply to our lives today. Finally, never forget to look at the Bible as a whole, that the Bible covers creation, the devastating fall, the redemption brought through Jesus Christ, and the restoration of a world that will hold God's kingdom and no longer struggle with sin and sorrow. And Jesus is there for it all. He is present at creation. He appears as an angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. He lived a sinless life and died for our sins. And he is coming back. He is coming back. And all of scripture points us at the Savior. So let's do a little case study with some of these scriptures that tell us that Jesus is coming back. So this first one will come from Revelation, which is apocalyptic literature and prophecy. So this book was written by John, the disciple, who also wrote the letters from John and the gospel of John in the first century. And Jesus says in verse 22, 12 through 13 of Revelation, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, we may wish soon was nearer, but we know that when we read that Jesus is coming soon in the context of the whole of Scripture— that we also see in Matthew 24, 35, 36, that Jesus tells us heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. That verse reminds us that those who say they know the day are doing something and saying something that Jesus said, nobody knows. Now we are to watch for the signs. And though we may not know the hour or day, Jesus tells us to be ready for him. And one of the ways we do that is by faithfully handling the scriptures, doing our best to use them correctly as our sword in a world bombarding us with falsehood, because his words will not pass away. So please join me for this new season, looking at context, and before we go, in praying for us all to wield the word rightly. Lord, we are so grateful for the Bible, that you gave us your words so that we could know what you have to say to us and know who you are. Thank you for that. Thank you for revealing yourself to us, revealing your will to us. Help us to read it correctly. 
Help us to know the truth behind what you say. Help us to not lead others astray, even if it's an accident. Let us marinate in your word. Let it transform us from the inside out. God, make us your messengers and let our messages be true. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me as we begin this new series. And the verses and articles referred to can be found in the show notes at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on iTunes. And we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast so others can find us. Until next time, may you seek the abundant life Jesus died to give and live in the truth that sets people free. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.